don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was a good end to a rough week for our markets today. Uh, and something does appear to be very different about this market. Because uh, Kip and I joke about this all the time. We talk every, every day before the podcast. But we always talk and joke about the fact that it always seems that I get the big down days and he gets either the big up days or the big recovery days after a big down day. Well, that's not what happened this week. I got the only two up days of this week, the, the all-time highs from Monday and then today. Uh, so we could be seeing a little bit of a trend change from this market. Uh, I'd like to see this trend keep rolling. It's always a little bit more fun to talk about the markets on an up day, especially when you got some all-time highs like we did today, even after this rough week. But uh, yeah, it's always a little bit more fun on these days. But all jokes aside, it was a good day for our markets. And some of that is likely credited to some members of the Federal Reserve starting to walk back their hawkish stance towards tapering in 2021. For example, here today, Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan, who was the first Fed president back in April to start the call for the Fed to begin tapering. It said it pretty strongly as well. And he continued that theme until late last month, early this month, now has changed his tune saying today that he may have to rethink his call for the Fed to quickly start tapering by the end of this year, tapering their $120 billion a month in bond purchases. And he said that it is because the spread of the coronavirus Delta variant is slowing our economic growth. There, if I remember correctly, there are two guys who are also in Texas saying for months now that that is exactly what the Fed was going to do. Like I said, months ago, when Kaplan and other Fed members were making this call about tapering, we said at the time they would not be doing so in 2021 and likely not doing so in 2022. They more so want, uh, the rhetoric is not the right term, but they want the 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 illusion that they're going to be tapering, they're going to be raising interest rates. And then they find a reason as to why they shouldn't do so. And the Delta variant seems a little too convenient, really the perfect cover for this move here. And like I said, we've been saying for some time now that there is a near 0% chance of the Fed tapering in 2021. We've said even lower chances of them cutting rates in 2021 or 2022. We still have a lot of Fed watchers out there, though, saying they may try to taper in early 2022 with rate heights later in 2022. Folks, we still just don't see that as the case here. And the main reason being is this trend from the Federal Reserve that they won't raise rates or taper ahead of any type of election 
especially when it could possibly hurt the Democrats' chances. Now, we didn't see that when Trump was in office, raising rates going into the end of 2018, causing the Christmas from hell that we, we've, that's what we've called it here at least. Uh, but we've seen this time and time again. Under Obama's term, the Fed only raised rates one time. Going back a little bit further, during George Bush, W. Bush's terms from 2004 to 2006, the Fed raised rates 17 straight times, which ultimately induced the Great Recession. That was the, one of the number one driving factors. It wasn't irresponsible homeowners leveraging themselves. It was raising rates. Uh, and they likely knew what they were doing. If you look back on some of the history of the Federal Reserve, They've been known to pull stunts like this. this isn't the, it wouldn't be the first time it's happened. Much like with anything in our government, they want you to forget about it, but it certainly would not be the first time. Go back. I highly recommend reading The Creature from Jekyll Island uh, by G. Elbert Griffin. Phenomenal read. Gives you some examples of those stories and some other sources where you can find just concrete proof that the Fed has been doing this before it was the Federal Reserve. The previous central banks here in the United States did it as well. Uh, not, I don't have it in front of me now, but I believe it was in the early 1820s or so, uh, around the time a big conspiracy happened from the Fed chair at the time. There's a little different name for what the Federal Reserve was, but uh, certainly not anything new for central banks to manipulate the economy to their advantage. But fast forward to today, Again, the Fed is not going to do anything to hurt the Democrats' chances in 2022, even though they know that the Democratic Party is likely going to be crushed in the midterms, which really isn't that bold of a call. It's pretty common uh, for the recently elected party to lose the midterms. Republicans lost in the midterms after Trump was elected. Same thing happened under Obama. Same thing happened under Clinton. I'm Pretty positive exactly the same happened under Bush as well. Might have to double check that. But you see this repeating pattern. Uh, so the Fed doesn't want to do anything to hurt the already low chances of the Dems winning. Of course, there's always the chance that they find a way to rig the midterms like they've done to federal elections. Uh, more likely in blue states than in red states. But I assure you, that they are working on this right now. You see it in the voting laws that they're trying to pass, no voter IDs, uh, mail-in ballots, all of the things that they've done to manipulate elections, they are trying and pushing for for the midterms as well. But back to the financial side, the Fed doesn't want to hurt their chances any worse here. So again, we see no tapering or rate hikes until after the 2022 midterms. And even then, the midterms are in late next year. So that leaves the Fed with a small window before the Christmas holiday in which they can either taper or they can raise rates. I'd back up a little bit. If the Fed does try to taper earlier in 2021, I'll make a call now that something will happen. Well, they will reverse that decision, just like we saw with Kaplan and the Delta variant. You know, the Fed comes out, says they're going to start tapering. Uh, you know, hey, in, in April, say in February, hey, in April, we're going to start tapering. Well, right around March, they'll, they might find a little excuse if they see the market starting to weaken on any of that news. Uh, 
it's recent on a lot of people's minds here. The Fed, as I mentioned earlier, ruined Christmas in 2018. They raised rates going into it. We've called it the December from hell. So certainly the Fed's memory is not that short. They don't want to do that. They don't want those optics again. So back to my original point, we see little to no chance that we're looking at any tapering in 2021, likely not even in 2022, and no rate hikes until 2023. That's the way we see it here. It's the way we're going to continue uh, to play it for our markets. And today, our markets seem to begin pricing in. There there are no signs of tapering. Uh, Markets seem to like it a lot. Finishing the week strong, still it was a week's week a rough week for our markets and we are in one of the worst performing seasons for our markets right now thanks to traders almanac for this report they they uh, reported this today september is the worst performing month of the year for the dow the s p 500 and the nasdaq since 1971 it's also the worst uh, month of the year for the russell 1000 and 2000 since 1979 now, they did cite that that has improved somewhat uh, in recent years. Still one of the weaker months of the year for our markets. So that's the period that, that we've been in uh, for some time now. That period from May to October, typically one of the weakest times of the year. That's why you want to be heavily invested after October going into May. And then, of course, the old adage, sell in May and go away. Uh We've been saying this all week, especially with the rough week that we've had. We're not in the bear camp here calling for a 10 to 20% correction like we've seen so much of this week, really bringing some fear into the market. The fear and greed index still down low. We are in extreme fear territory now. Kip covered this yesterday, hit a 22 yesterday on the fear and greed index. Not much better today, still at a 23. So up just one point, still extreme fear levels. Folks, we're contrarians here and we are optimists as well. So when everybody's going to the extreme fearful side, that is when we like to be greedy. And, you know, we are, we've talked about this here a lot. We want to be patient going into the Fed Jackson Hole meeting, which is uh, starting next week. It's the 26th through the 28th of this month. Could see a little bit of weakness going into that. And we certainly don't want to try to catch a falling knife here. We got a good day today. We want to see a little continuation of that before uh, we start dipping back into the market, either adding to our existing positions or adding new positions. So that's our our goal right now. We're going to remain patient, find the best opportunities coming out of this little bit of a dip that we've seen here. But as we've seen going back to March of last year, every dip that we've had has been a phenomenal buying opportunity. And we think we're setting up right now for what could be the best buying opportunity going in to year end here. Uh, certainly the way that we're looking at it right now. So looking at our markets on the day today, the Russell 2000, which has been our laggard lately, leading the way today up 1.65% to 2,167. Next up was the NASDAQ up 1.19% to 14,714. 
Next up, the S&P 500 up 8 tenths of 1% to 4,441. And lastly here, the Dow up 0.65% to 35,120. And folks, we just hit an all-time high on Monday. Again, it's incredible to see our sentiment surveys getting so low. The AAII also came in yesterday, the highest level of bears since February of this year. It has been higher this year, but that was the highest since February. Certainly out, aren't out of the woods yet. Not exactly a buy signal that we're looking for at this level. The level of bulls is also at a, is at a fairly high level as well. Uh, so not quite the perfect opportunity, but again, we're scouting it closely. Today though, we also saw this continued lower highs and lower lows from the VIX. Almost a perfect stair step down since March of last year. Uh, and the VIX yesterday spiked big, still below its most recent reading. Let me double check here. Yeah, the, the other high was at 25 in mid-July. Yesterday, we got to a 24.74. So right there, but we didn't get above those levels at all. So again, another lower high. And then today fell 14% on the VIX, back down now to an 18. So really interesting repeating pattern there that we've seen from the VIX. Looking at our internals on the day, we did get better readings than we've seen this week. Still not the positive across the board type of readings that you want to see. Uh, but advance, advances did beat out declines, over 2 to 1 positive on the day. Uh, that is NYSE and NASDAQ combined. New 52-week highs to lows were our ugly spot today. And ugly for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ, but especially ugly on the NASDAQ. Now, this is a lagging indicator. It takes some time after a bit of a sell-off for stocks get to get back to 52-week highs. They are closer to 52-week lows. Uh, so again, a lagging indicator, but for the NASDAQ, there's also a big part of this that as Kip talked about yesterday as well, that is SPACs. SPACs are counted roughly th three times. They've got the warrants, they've got the options and the stock itself. Uh, so that has skewed some of the internal readings with the, the massive number of SPACs that just weren't quite ready for prime time yet. Not to say that they couldn't be in the future. You know, maybe some of the tech wasn't there yet. It could be years. It could be shorter than that. Maybe they dissolve and form whole new companies. There are some great ideas in these SPACs, though, that they're talking about. Great innovation is just not quite there yet. Uh, so, again, new 52-week highs and lows came in negative for both the NYC and the NASDAQ. And then lastly here, volume came in positive today for both the NYC and the NASDAQ, roughly two and a half to one positive on the day. Looking at our sectors, this was really our bright spot today. All 11 S&P 500 sectors came in higher today, although it does have a very defensive feel when you look at these. Uh, Tech did lead the way, but tech has really become such a defensive sector now as well. And that's because of the the weighting towards the largest companies in the world like Apple, Google, and Microsoft. Microsoft hit an all-time high today. But when investors get nervous, they want to go back to that those mega cap stocks because they usually hold up so well. Uh, massive uh, liquidity in them. 
even in times of, 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 of rough economic stress, these companies do well because they're, they have become essential. So they hold up well, making them defensive. But like I said, tech led the way. XLK, the tech ETF, actually hit an all-time high today. But while tech was up nicely, you know one of our themes here is that you want to see tech leading, and we got that, but you also want to see semis leading tech. And while the semis were higher on the day, I mean, tech was up, NASDAQ was up 1.2%, the semis only up four-tenths of 1%. So not exactly what you want to see there, but still not awful action either. It's still, again, the theme here for us this week has been patient patience in picking our, our next spots going forward. And then continuing with the defensive trend, we had utilities also uh, right after technology day, also hitting an all-time high here. Next up was communication services, consumer discretionary. And then later on down the line, we had real estate also hitting an all-time high today. And then our laggards on the day uh, were consumer staples, industrials, and energy, although all of them higher today as well. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Gold up slightly now, just by 0.04% to 1,783 an ounce. Silver continuing to fall today, though, now down 1% to $22.99 an ounce, pretty close to its lowest levels of 2021. We got one really brief dip uh, below these levels this year. We, they closed above it that day, though. Uh, so really, if we close here, this would be one of the lowest closes on the year, right around its lows. And similar to the rest of our markets right now, we don't want to try to catch a falling knife. But this is a trade that we're looking at closely. Silver, such a heavily used item in all, all tech, similar to copper as well. So at these prices, silver, one of the most undervalued commodities here, something that, that we're certainly watching. Next up, copper, up a nice 2.5% on the day to $4.14 a pound. Also, though, still near its lowest levels for 2021. Next up, oil, also uh, getting to its some of its lower levels on the year. Not quite as much as, uh, as silver and copper, but it has fallen quite a bit recently, down again today, 2.5% to $61.89 a barrel. And lastly for today, Bitcoin, different story here. Getting back to its highest levels since before its sell-off that began in May of this year. So back to its highest levels since May, up today 4.4% to $48,775 of Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday after the close.